When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. Last week we spoke about what it's like to be a Nottingham Forest fan, and this week we've got the starkest of reminders that sometimes it's incredibly painful. On track for a second away win of the season, Forest threw away the points, lose 2-1 at Brentford, and lose the advantage in the relegation battle. Joining to discuss the game... The bottom three, the Southampton match as well, which is now very much must win. First of all, is former Reds midfielder Lewis McGugan. Lewis, morning, you well? Morning, yeah, not too bad, thank you. Good, 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 good. Second guest today is Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, are you okay? Morning, Matt. All good here. Thanks, matey. Good, good. And third guest is Greg Mitchell. Greg, how are you? How's Milo the dog? He's good, yeah. Good walk. Have to do that. Also, be barking through all this. So, uh, it was for all of us. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I've recovered from Saturday. Why don't you kick us off? You were there. Bit of a nightmare at the end, obviously. Just some general initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, God, that that finally we score a goal at the perfect time. That half-time concourse, anyone was there. It was it was special. It was pretty good. And yeah, it's uh, I don't. I was saying, I was just saying, I, I really should try and watch the goals back, seeing as we're doing this, but. I think I've got a bit of PTSD from it. It's uh, not something I want to relive those last four minutes. That's certainly uh, the case. How are you feeling watching it, Tam? I felt really comfortable, actually, until they conceded. What, what were you like? Very comfortable. They couldn't lay a glove on us for long periods of time, despite having loads of possession. They didn't do too much with it meaningfully. And this has been spoken about elsewhere, but Ivan Tony was completely anonymous. I think he was nullified. And everyone was preparing their memes of him peeking out of Felipe's pocket. But just goes to show, doesn't it? Those those players um, can turn a game in a moment. And that, that moment in particular is one that disappointed me. I know we'll get into the, the substitutions and everything else. But, you know, I was calling for the introduction of, of Coyate. I think if he'd have been fit enough, he, he may even have, have started. Um, but I was expecting more impact when he came on. And ultimately, those um, failings in, in his performance were um, unexpected and uncharacteristic of what I think we perceived he was going to bring to the side when he was introduced. The changes didn't make us more resilient. They made us less resilient. And we threw away three points. But some good signs in there. I think we said before the game that winning or drawing would have put us ahead of schedule. Um, after that game last night, we're still very much in the mix. It's in our hands to keep our place in the Premier League. Just so disappointed that we didn't close out a performance which was so promising in the first half. And in the first 20, 25 minutes of the second half, even more so, I was convinced we were going to win that game. And so, so disappointed when they turn us over. So, Lewis, I'll obviously get your thoughts on the, the tactics, the performance and everything. But can you talk to us first of all about the psychology of a defeat like that for a group of players? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not it's not the best. It's 
in that week when you're looking you look at the Brighton and you look at Brentford and you think if you could take four points out of that before that fantastic if you could take six then it, in this in this moment when everyone's struggling for a, for a win to go and win two games like that I think hats off and everyone would say you know what you deserve to stay up I think from a change room environment point of view is that you, when you hold a league a lead like that for so long that's the most damaging it's anything can happen in a game but I think when you're so close to it and what that three points would have done in the bigger picture I think that's where it's not only it's not only a loss it's it's also a loss in the last minute where a game you've gone from winning the game to literally losing the game it's also the dynamics around and in the league what that could have done moving forward is that the thing, Thames? Effectively, you're eight minutes away from a... We can't, obviously, we'll get on Southampton. You can't take it for granted. But you've got that 90-minute match against Southampton that probably would guarantee safety. Is that the big kick in the teeth that you could have been shooting for 36 points now? The, the kick in the teeth for me is, that, like Lewis says, taking, taking the last three games as a, as a collective, we've, we've found a way to be um, even more comfortable about the ball able to score goals, able to get ourselves into good positions, but we, we haven't quite capitalised and got as many points from it as we as we might. In our route to safety, we're all assuming the entire fan base, probably with some of the players, assuming we're going to beat Southampton. And everything rides on that. There's huge pressure on that game. A point at Brentford, we'd, we'd be sat here now thinking, yeah, look, OK, didn't go quite so well. Little wins about Koyate, on to the, onto the next one conceding two goals from that that point which were both so avoidable so so avoidable that's the frustration for me we executed the game plan structurally tactically the team selection reflected that we can debate the subs and the impact of the subs but yeah the, the disappointment for me is it's not about performance at this stage of the season it's about results it's about points on the board and we've got three less points on the board than we all feel we should have and that is a yeah, real gut wrench because if we, we come out come out of there have a one nil win, we're celebrating Cooper's tactical decisions rather than sat here dissecting them for forty five minutes. Did you see it coming in the ground, Greg? What either at nil nil and at one nil and then one one after that goal went in, could you see the equaliser and then the winner coming, or did it not feel like that? You couldn't see it like between forty five and eighty minutes. We looked so comfortable. I saw I really. I actually thought, you know, I keep looking at the clock and quite a lot of it's coming off it. We're not struggling here. We're OK. And, you know, stupid free kick to give away, <laughs> jumping out the way of the wall. And then obviously the keeper, possibly an error. It was just a catalyst. And then as soon as that happened, I thought, oh, no, here we go. And chucking seven minutes up, you thought, oh, this is bad. <laughs> the injuries, it just all started thinking. And you could tell in the crowd, the nervousness, everything. Uh, but it... it that's about as heartbreaking as I can remember it honestly is. At, the, at that point in the game when we were so close and after, like I say, that half-time, it was superb and it really was gut-wrenching. However, you've seen then what's happened the rest of the weekend and how all the results have gone all our way. Yesterday, last night, we said that we need those teams to draw and they have. So it's all still in our hands. It really is. So, I mean, it was heart-wrenching. It was heartbreaking. But they're going to be right up for it now. They really are. And as long as we win on Monday, all of that is forgotten. It really is. 
yeah, we'll come on to how many points are needed. We'll probably leave that until a, a bit later. Um, Forest went about it, Lewis, probably, I think, at least the third away game in the row now where they've really shut up shop and they've sat sat in very deep, kind of tried to stifle teams in midfield. They played three at the back and I think possession, I know first half was about 38%. I guess it was about 30 in the end. What do you think about that tactics, relying on a team that, uh, you know, to shut down a team when Forest have got such a poor defensive record? Is it sound to you? Because, uh, you know, they have looked a lot more comfortable in these games and they have stuck to a game plan, but it's a defensive one. What do you think about going about it that way? Yeah, that's the that's the whole point of management. That's the whole point of being in that environment. Sometimes you can you can go so far and you can go right to the end of the season. Sometimes as a manager, you stumble across a formation or a personnel that you probably didn't think of, and, you, and all of a sudden it's like, you know what, this works. And then after a couple of games, you get sometimes even in not positive results, you get a few positive performances. And what does that that sends energy through the whole change room? The players then start thinking, do you know what? We feel a bit different. We feel a bit more solid. There's nothing. There's nothing worse than a player going out there, feel as, as your team feel very fragile, feel very weak, and you and you kind of looking. You know, if it goes wrong and we concede, it could be a it could be another long game. So I think that the manager's fell up, fell across a. He's come across a formation. He's come across personnel, and it's working. And I think in, in that point in time, you have to get a bit of a, a little bit of luck in that as well. You look at, I say we we spoke at half time at the Brighton game, Matt, and it was like the Brighton game. Yes, we missed a penalty, we had a few chances, but we rode our luck. We got a little bit of luck, and you see where Matoma went through in the second half. He scores that, makes that two one. I think it's a complete. I think then the game then goes away from. So so in that time, even though you fall upon a formation what's working. You need a bit of luck along that way. And we talk about the crowd and we, we Greg was speaking about Brentford. At that time when they scored, it's the biggest thing as, a, as an away team anyway. If, you, if you're winning, you've got a lead, you concede late on. The biggest thing you do is you rally. Listen, worst case scenario, we'll come out of here with a point. But the problem is the fans get up. What then goes out for a throw-in and the fans are a bit subdued now the fans are up the fans are all them little things come into it and then you've got literally possible nowadays at least four or five minutes plus of at a time you can you then go into like what you think seven or eight minutes turns into like 15 minutes onslaught and it's a tough away from home it's a tough environment as you can see it worked for us with a brighton game if we not scored before half time it's a totally different reaction going in they the players got clapped off at half time that sends a shockwave through the home team. It sends a shockwave through the Brighton players. If if they, if Forest don't score before half time, that's a completely different atmosphere. Walking off that pitch at half time, coming out to the second half, they come out with applause. It's ready to go again. Brighton are on the back foot. Then they're thinking this game isn't over. They're ready to go. The players, and that's what sometimes people don't understand is little things can go, and it makes so much difference little bits in the game and conceding against Brentford at that point you, you, you've probably got you, well you had another what 17 minutes it's a long time do you know what I mean it's a long time where fans have probably for the last half an hour the home fans last 30 minutes have probably just been sitting there twiddling their thumbs it's a bit of a nothing game 
They can't really move that much. It looks like Forest are going to come here and grind out a win. All of a sudden, there's something to shout about. And it can it, 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 it makes so much difference. Yeah, that was another big frustration, wasn't it? Like, obviously, Brentford weren't, they hadn't given up, but they were kind of like, oh, we'll have a go, but we're not, because they're not on the beach, but they're mid-table. They didn't look like they expected to get anything. They looked kind of like they'd, they'd taken their fate. That was another kick in the teeth. Um, what do you think about the away tactics, Thames? Because Cooper said it's not him and it's not how he wants to play. It is very, very pragmatic of late. Is that just needs must do all you can to stay in this league and, if, you know, next season, whatever league we're in, it's got to be different, do you think? I think that thought process is, is justified now, isn't it? Because we've seen at Brentford and Liverpool the possibility of a result off the back of what we've done. It's only been undone by individual um, personal defensive errors rather than something systematically going wrong. Um, it's not Cooper. It's not Forrest, is it, either? It's, it's, not, it's not the way any of us would want to play football. And I think if Cooper had his time again and we started the season back away at Newcastle many moons ago, he wouldn't set up like this. I think he'd take more risk, accept occasionally that we're going to be um, turned over, but ultimately look at the number of points we've got from setting up in this in this manner um, and, and doing things a, a whole lot a whole lot differently. The return from away games in the Premier League is the one black mark against Steve Cooper's name. We've been good at home. Our home form is good enough to survive in the Premier League. Everything he did in the Championship was gold standard took us from where we were to where we find ourselves now but yeah if, if in his kind of moments alone looking back thinking about what he might have done differently he, he'd have changed things he'd have had more of a go on the road because despite um the solidity and the fact that you know man city arsenal aside we haven't really been turned over we've never looked like having the resilience to, to grind out the leads that we've established I think the stat is we've conceded something like 15, 16 goals in the last in the last 15 minutes. That's too many. I think it's compounded by the fact that some um, key players aren't 90-minute men. Taiwo is a good example of this. So defending from the front relies us to um, hold the ball, have possession in the final third where they can't cause us any damage. And, you know, he was wasteful on Saturdays. His pass completion was was poor. And ultimately, he was decided on 54 minutes that he was he was tired, fatigued and, and, and had to be dragged. I think if Taiwo had got himself into a, a, a condition where he could be a 90-minute footballer, um, our results this season would have been entirely different. As it happens, we've seen how effective he is. We've seen that he offers something different. But ultimately, he fades in games and finds himself being... Um, subbed first or second more often than not, and we're not replacing him like for like. At the minute, Cooper's preferring to bring on um, Andre Ayew, who's a completely different profile of player. And, you know, for me, and my observations, hasn't been able to offer what Tyro has when he's been on the on the park. I can't quite make sense of, of that one. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think we should have been, as a, as a collector of the course of the season, tried something different. But right here, right now, knowing that one or two points on the road might be the difference between um, survival and releg or relegation, we ain't going to change this setup. This is us away from home between now and the end of the season. It's too late to change it, but there'll be some review at the end of the season which suggests we could well have picked up more points by being a little bit more open and more comfortable with the ball. Mm. 
I mean, the problem was, I think at the start of the season, they did have a go and they were so open. And I think there was a bit of naivety probably around how hard it is to get points away from home, perhaps. Different personnel as well, though, Matt. And to Lewis's point, we have stumbled across selections and combinations since then, which may have made that method more effective. Uh, you led into Andre Ayew and Taiwo and all that stuff. So the second topic Steve Cooper took a lot of heat for was his use of subs, uh, personnel and volume. So we'll get into that. What did you make of the IU change, Greg? And how did IU play for you? Um, I know he got loads of stick. He didn't necessarily do anything wrong. He's just not he's not changing a game when he comes on. And that's the shame, isn't it? That's what, that's what we desperately need from a sub um, or just to shore it up. But yeah... It, Talking about the IU one, I think it, it, it was just a bit irrelevant on Saturday, to be honest. I don't think the stick should be pointed his way like it is online quite a lot, just because it's an easy one to go with. But, yeah, he didn't really change anything. And the subs itself, you'd think maybe we've got to be a little bit more cautious now because it's twice that we've had to end the game with 10 men just because of the way you're allowed to use your substitutions and... Um, I think we've got to be so careful about that in the in the rest of the running now because it's it's hit us hard twice. Yeah, I didn't watch it and think I oh, was having a howler here. I actually thought no. it was all right. I think there's a, two things about it. It's obviously the Sam Surridge factor, and I suppose Lewis, this is one for you. Is is are you a bit in the camp now that whatever he does, there's going to be people who say he's a bag of crap, even if he does really well. Well, that's football, isn't it? You know what I mean? Everyone's going to have their opinions and everyone's entitled to their opinions. I think that at this point in time, I I think more so, and which can happen, more so it's it's the kind of discard of storage, which is having more of an effect on the kind of opinion on are you, if that makes sense. If it, It's because he's not being played and it's like the, the question keeps on asking why not him, why not him? But I think it's more, maybe more people's frustration of that lack of substitution, which is then obviously bringing it more on the, pinpointing it more on are you and focusing more on like, are you? Where I think that if you if you didn't have the option of maybe someone else or what fans think is a better option, I don't think that you'd have the constant kind of focus on, on the are you substitution all the time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think he he hasn't done a lot is the, is the issue. He hasn't looked a goal threat. But are we in the camp, Greg, where Surridge has been built up to be so good that, you know, it casts a cloud over IU and... How do you, do you? I mean, I suppose the second question is: Do you also think Surridge should have had more minutes? Yeah, he sh- for me, he should. But we don't know what goes on in training. We don't know what influence Ayu's having on in training. Of course, we don't. But all we know is Surridge can score goals and he can create chances. And we haven't really seen that from Ayu. But yeah, it's hard to say he should be playing because there's obviously something being seen for Ayu continuously to be the man. But I am. It is upsetting for Surridge, and it'll be. 
it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer, especially if we stay up, because I can't imagine it is age in his career. He wants to be sat on the bench and not getting any minutes anymore. So um, I wonder whether we'll see much more of him in a Forest shirt at all, to be honest. Yeah, it's a shame. I do think Surrey should have had a lot more minutes, or certainly more minutes. Does it come down to trust, Lewis? Or manage, you know, managers have favourites for whatever reason. Well, I think I think it's a sense now, and I think everyone can be kind of in the same camp. I don't think it takes a... There's, there's obviously a breakdown somewhere. There's obviously something that where either it's training, whether it's around the training ground, whether it's the tactics where he, the manager feels that IU or, okay, say another brings a different... But there's obviously the communication break. There's something there in the background that we're, we're not privy to. That's I think that's very, very much uh, a point. Now, at this point in time, that's going to bring more pressure on on the manager because obviously the, the way the fans see, see that player and they want him involved. And that's something that the manager's got to take, take on board and he's prepared to do that. And obviously now he's still not kind of going that way and he's still going with what he sees. But I think it's when you look, when you talk about trust and you look at Ayu, there's obviously massive trust there. And that was a massive reason why he brought him to the football club. They've obviously have a really good connection. And it's also, which I, which I mentioned before, it's which a lot of managers do and they still will do. It's, it, it's, it's very, it's all very well going into a place and putting across your ideas and things go, when everything's going good, when you're winning games, when you find up the league, it's very easy to implement ideas. It's very easy to talk to players. It's very easy to, to drop players. When things get difficult, change room, like any workplace, changes. Players talk. There's maybe that group there, that group who's not really playing. They maybe think the manager's brilliant. There's another group that is not so sure. And sometimes as a manager, sometimes you need a bit of support inside that change room. And I've, and I've been in there. I've been in change rooms before where you have players that have been brought in by a manager who've got a good relationship with the manager. And when there's a bit of uncertainty in a change room, that's when that player, he just goes around the dressing room. Listen, keep doing the right thing. It's worked before. I understand what he's doing. And, and, and it's messages like that that sometimes help so much. It's not all always on the field. It's, it, it, it's You've got to think that Monday to Friday, that's where they spend most of the time, in the training ground. If the training ground's not right, if that working environment's not right, it's irrelevant what comes to the Saturday. He's not going to work. Mm. Is that the other thing for you, Greg? I'll put a comment up from Pat, which probably sums it up, I think, the thing around IE. He's got the perception that he's a teacher's pet now and, you know, he's not warranted the minutes because he hasn't, I mean, you know, he missed the penalty at West Ham. Um, he hasn't looked a goal for it. Is there something in that? Yeah, but I like what Lewis said, really, because it just got me thinking about maybe there is something there that Cooper knows is there, that IU's got four chances now, probably four 20 minutes at the end of each game to score the goal that keeps us in this league. And he probably sees he's the one that's got... That, the biggest chance of doing that and if it does happen then we're all here at the end of the season probably talking about oh should we try and keep him next season as well so one goal can change a career at a club and maybe Cooper just knows he's he's the guy that he trusts to to get that unfortunately for us we just haven't seen it as yet but when you look at Dennis, Surridge, these players that aren't getting a look in now for IU 
you wonder whether, as a fan, you've seen something there yet because I don't, I don't feel I have. But God, I'd love to all be proved wrong at the end of the season. Uh, Greg mentions Dennis there. Temps a few people saying he should have been the one to come off for Taiwo. I don't really see that. He's not not enough light for light for me with what we were trying to do, but. Is the question more, should Dennis have come on for Brennan rather than changing shape? Was that, with hindsight, an error that we went a bit too defensive? Well, only with hindsight, because I, I was calling for Coyate to be introduced as, as first sub. So I, I can't argue with that change. It, it's sound, isn't it? Defending a 1-0 lead to replace Brennan Johnson with Czech Coyate. I think what I'm critical of is Coyate's level of performance and those individual decisions to, A, mistime the challenge, give away the free kick, and secondly, break away from that um, defensive wall and create the gap through which Tony scored. I've, I've watched that goal back several times, and Navas's positioning, far left of centre, relies on that wall being solid. And I think Koyate actually, he moves slightly sideways as well, doesn't he? He's arguably, arguably trying to block the ball and um, make the wall bigger. But he does it in quite a naive way by making himself smaller, turn to the side, clearly not wanting to take one, um, full in the face. We're in a Premier League relegation dogfight. You've got to be prepared to take a ball in the face. Like That is no sacrifice, especially not from your midfield, uh, midfield enforcer who's coming on for the tricky goal-scoring winger. That's that's not the example that he should be setting. So he he got balled out by 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 Worrell straight after that happened. If you watch the direction on the pitch, terrible terrible example decision um, from a player who we missed when he was out, made an impact when he came back in, was the sub that we wanted to see made, and then just didn't execute. That's not Steve Cooper's fault. That's an individual choice between. Standing there, taking one in the in the knee, whatever, clearing it, defending for 25 minutes, walking home with three points, or starting the rot that's led to a, a 2-1 defeat. So, Andre Ayew to a point, yeah, valid, valid criticism because he's not what Tyro is and he does appear to be um, favoured to, to two players in Surridge and Dennis that we've all seen in snippets perform well for Forest, not consistent enough to justify starting. We just feel they should be given... Um, the same opportunity, a similar opportunity to, to Andre Ayew. But the, the one I'd ball out is, um, is is Koyate. I don't think Dennis or any of the other unused substitutes um, were were the answer in that game. We just needed more from that change that we made. Similar with Yatesy. Like you bring in Ryan Yates on for Oral Mangala. He's um, reputed to maintain his fitness levels you know, always. He's always ready to play. He doesn't need several games to, to be introduced. But those those two players, Yatesy and Koyate, that should have solidified us, and I'm, I'm sure at the time we, we, were, we were behind, um, just, just haven't paid off. But to answer your question, no. I don't think Emmanuel Dennis would have made a difference. I think Cechui Koyate coming on, running, running himself into the ground, timing things right, using his now since experience and being a bit braver, would have been the difference between three points and none. Hmm. Um, two for you, Lewis, from that. Um, before you give us your take on the goal, what's it like being in the wall when you know the bloke's absolutely going to smack it at you? I assume you've been in the wall as a pro. No, I never went in. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> it was a when it was a set piece of time, and it was like right, who's in the wall? It was like right, let me just shift as far as I can get out of the picture. Listen, it, it's a, it's a, it's it's one of them things. It's I always I can 
my experience, personal experience of I took free kicks. And my big thing was, especially that side where Tony scored, my big, that was always my side. Because I always thought to myself, you get it over the wall, it's in. Because the goalkeeper, he trusts the wall. That's the wall's job. He covers the other side. A goalkeeper, if he gets done the goalkeeper side, then there's no coming back from a goalkeeper. That's his. So he very rarely will take that step. So as a as a free kick taker, my thing was always over the wall. If I get it over the wall or through the wall, it's a goal because that gap that the goalkeepers leave is, for my opinion, has always been too big. It's too big. You can't get across. You can't get across. Not not now like the the. The, the quality that players have and the, the the things that they can do, the ball moves too quick and you can't get across. And I think that at times as a goalkeeper, you walk and let you down and listen, that just happens and it, and it's blame onto it. But I think that on the bigger picture of it all, how many times we've 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 spoke on here and we we're all still speaking about the same things and asking the same questions and we've got four games left of the season. I think the reality is is that the recruitment has been a nightmare. The recruitment has been terrible. And if I looked at the stat where it said, I think Nottingham Forest have used the most players uh, out, of everyone, out of everyone this season. Now, don't get me wrong, injuries can help that, but the but it also comes down, there's been a lot of mistakes that's that's happened in recruitment. And... It's been a bit, bit part. Players are coming all over the place, and I think that's just got to hold your hands up, accept it. And there's a lot of mistakes along with recruitment along the way. But it's the first season in the Premier League. A lot of the, a lot of the infrastructure inside the club will have changed. A lot of people having to make different decisions. But I think at the end of the day, to to play bottom of the league at home, when you know the the atmosphere that we have, to pretty much stay up, everyone would have took it, and that's where we are. So I think that we we talk about all these different situations about that player could that player come. I I, I think that everyone who's connected to Nottingham Forest has realised that there's been a lot of mistakes being made, especially on the playing side. But we've got to this stage, we've got through, and we've got a chance to have a home game against the bottom of the league to potentially stay in the Premier League. Well, listen, there's a lot of other teams around us or below us that are in completely different positions. As you look at Leicester, that the, the the pressure that they're under, if they go down, you look at Everton, empty stadiums with pretty much game going on. You look at Leeds in disarray through the whole place. You're on about sacking the manager, the new manager in today. So you look at everyone else around us. Yeah, we've had a lot of problems, but... I think it's at a time, let's not create any more. Let's not create that uncertainty, which is around us. We're in a, we're in a position that we're in full, full control of. And we've got an opportunity to play at home in front of our atmosphere. We've seen what that can do against the bottom of the league. So for me, out of every single team down there and around us, we're in the best position, 100%. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. I mean, it looks like Sam Allardyce is coming into Leeds with Tony Pulis as his number two, potentially. And we've got all that war there. There's only one way that's going to go, isn't it? <laughs> See how that goes. Uh, Lewis, I'll stick with you for a couple of minutes just to tidy up this, the goals. Um, just on the first goal then, no blame on Navas for you or a little bit of blame? Listen, I, th I, think, I think what 
Navas will be because he's he's a because he's got there. He has got there, and that's that. Once once he's got there, he'd probably like to think he's got a, a stronger hand to try and try and keep it out. But it's one of those things. Like I said, you was there to do a job. It always happens that wars break. I think that was. It wasn't. It, in fact, it was. It, it was poor. How much he's broken. How much he's this kind of a, a, away from the whole wall. And I think it's a massive gap. Tony's took advantage. So listen, I think that it depends how you look at it. Some people say Navas could have done better. Obviously, we all know that there's a problem with a wall. But I think it's just one of those things. Sometimes a wall breaks and. And, and and you can't get across. Uh, I'll come to you for the second goal in a sec. As Nick says in the comments, 306 people watching on YouTube. So if you give, you know, do us a favour and hit like, that would be very much appreciated. I sound like a proper YouTuber there, don't I? Um, second goal, Lewis. Um, what's your take on the match of the day? They were critical of um, Lodi, and I'll come on to Lodi in a, in a bit on a second topic. And also... Um, Kuyate again and Gibbs White for not getting out to him. Are they to blame? And again, also uh, Navas got some stick for that. What's your verdict on the second goal? Yeah, I think, I think that you can have that domino effect, but at the end of the day, like anything, it's the source. And I think at first, at that point in time, especially you can see the goal, the fans are up. Like I said at the start of the show, listen, let's take a point. No matter what, we take a point from this. And I think at that point in time, the way Silver's come inside... It's very, it's very easy. It's very easy that he's got in because he's all left-footed. He's all left-footed. A lot of people know that he's only going to come one way. Uh, so I think that there's, listen, it's a domino effect after that, and you can say the 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 two or three names you said prior to that. But I think at the end of the day, at source as a fullback, your your job is to stop players, well, stop the cross, stop players coming inside, and especially stop players coming in on on their on their good foot, which you know that's what he is. So I think. The the blame of that lies at source, and I think that Lodi has to do a do a better individual job. So I mentioned Lodi. I'll turn this one to you, Temps. And this comes to the use of substitutions. We use three, they use five. I thought Lodi looked shot after an hour, and I wondered if maybe Toffolo was the one who could have come on, uh, and that would have been four subs. I'm not so sure about the use of five subs necessarily and then again that comes back to trust in the bench and who Cooper sees behind him and I might ask Lewis about that in a sec but what was your take on the use of the subs because that was another thing that Cooper got a lot of flack for you can argue both ends against the middle on that so what we're asking is is a tired Lodi better than a, a fully fit Toffolo and I've, I've just framed the same debate could we have got an extra 20 25 minutes out of uh, Taiwo Awonyi um, knowing that whilst he's fading, he is going to challenge for aerial duels. He's going to hold the ball up more effectively than anybody that comes on to replace him. So the inconsistency there, inconsistency there is quite interesting. Um, Lodi has proved that he, he, he can be a 90-minute man. I think his brand of football up and down the, the left at the weekend um, was, was particularly tiring. I haven't seen his running stats, but just from observing the game, it looked like he was, he was putting in a proper shift as a left wing back and trying to turn that back five into a back three when we were in possession. So he could be the, um, one of the, one of the outlets. Um, so yeah, not, not sure, not sure I would. However, it proved to be unwise, didn't it? To make the decisions in the, in the pattern that we did five allowed, but can only stop play three times? Danilo goes off and all of a sudden we're, um, faced chasing a game with, um, with, with, with 10 men. 
Um, and that was a that was a massive factor. I think we'll learn from that. I don't think you'll see a third and final stoppage in play from Forest now with with 14, 15 minutes to go. Um, it's a lesson with hindsight again. But yeah, you you can uh, point the the finger at the Forest management there in, in quite a valid manner because taking that risk has backfired, and we've been we've been under the under the pump and ultimately um, lost the game. What would I have done differently? I'd have made the first sub far later. The first sub for me would have been Koyate rather than um, Andre Ayew. Uh, he would have had to come on at some point because Tyro was was fading. I just think what we're seeing now is that our first 11 is our best 11. You can argue that a fully fit um, Koyate would have, would have come into that. But that there isn't loads on the bench that's going to make a material difference and improve us, certainly not defensively. You're making a, a decision for the wrong reason and trying to protect the person that you're taking off rather than celebrating the person that you're bringing on. Tuffalo has not got the experience or the or the pedigree of, of Renan Lodi, so he so he rode with it. Um, but yeah, that pattern of substitutions was poor and was the reason why we find ourselves down to ten men for the last fifteen minutes. Yeah, I mean, actually, Brentford used their subs earlier, but they'd use five, so they probably had more energy on the pitch uh, by that point that Danilo went off. Um, let's talk about Danilo, Greg. You made your point about him on the overlap. Well done. You argued your point really well against Neville and Carragher, I thought. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link to that so, so people can see. I didn't like the snide of the host. What's the host's name? Uh, Josh. Yeah. I'm yeah taking that little all... shot about 19% possession yeah. and laughing about it. They all, uh, Forrest is the easy option for them, isn't it? Forrest are down and then we'll think about who the others are. So they don't watch enough of us. They said Gibbs White and Johnson because they're the only two players they really know and have looked into. So yeah, I just can't wait to prove them wrong. Because you, you look like at the positives, they're still there. I know Danilo's injured. We don't know whether it was just bad cramp or if it's a bit of a hamstring, then that might be an issue. But He's a quality player, and for them not to even have thought about him, it just kind of shows they're not not really looking that far down, are they? As it as it stands, so I'd love to prove them all wrong, and if I prove them wrong, <laughs> they're going to hear about it. So um, yeah, it's just a shame he got injured, isn't it? Because again, he was having such a strong game uh, the last two or three games. Now he's really shone, and he was probably the one out of him and Scarpa you'd think you wouldn't see a lot of this season. You thought he was one for the future with his age and. Everything. So yeah, it's a it's an exciting exciting prospect with Danilo, isn't it? Whether what whatever happens next season. Mm, yeah, I agree. I thought he did well. Um Cooper said afterwards he was the one they weren't worried about because of energy levels. So I don't know what happened there. But reports in Brazil say he'll miss the next two games. So we'll wait and mm. see. I mean forest injury projections are pointless because he could have went out um, uh, against Southampton we could not see him again until next well, season. Well, it's just like Yates, isn't it? These silly rumours about Ryan Yates and whatever's going on with him have got to stop now because twice he's, uh, he's come back when a lot of people were saying he wouldn't be and it was so refreshing, so great to see him get some minutes and I'm sure he'll be starting on Monday for a game which is absolutely perfect for him. So that's a massive positive seeing him on that pitch again. Yeah. Um I mean, the one name that I thought we needed on Saturday was O'Brien. That was I thought we needed a ball-carrying midfielder to get the ball up the pitch and relieve some pressure, which comes back to recruitment again, as Lewis said. Uh, last one I want to throw to you, Lewis, about the game and the use of subs. 
do you think sometimes a manager turns around and looks at who's on his bench and think, well, I don't really need this guy for this. I'm not sure this guy can do that. And again, is it a question of trust? And maybe Cooper really hangs his hat on a core group of players, that, you know, rightly or wrongly a bit too much? Yeah, I think it, it always happens, especially now with the with the obviously the amount of substitution. I think there's a whether or not there's a full bench, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all there ready to ready to, to be put on. If you look at like we said before with Surridge, he doesn't really seem to get a look in. Lingard, I don't really know why he's on the bench because clearly he's he's surplus and he's not he's not gonna come on in any circumstance. So there you go again. There's two at this point in time, what pretty much don't come on. So you then narrow it down to a certain core. And there's a lot of a lot of managers do that. They have, I always call it kind of the 14. They have like a 14, 15, even though they have a bigger squad, they have a 14, 15, they have the mostly the starting 11. And then they have three or four or five that float in and out that start. And if they don't stop the option, their first subs, and that's that's no different. I think that's quite common. I think that these days, because these so these squads are so big and there's so many players coming in, I think sometimes you can you can think that you've got all these options. But if you look closely into it, that most teams will have a a core of fifteen players that pretty much are involved most weeks. Uh, and yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 one of those things. I think at this point in time, it's just. Under scrutiny, the the manager and his substitutions, but also the personnel that he's bringing on, and that's just the fans just see it differently. And at this point in time, there's a massive focus on that, and that's sometimes it happens. It could be about another thing, another day, and I think that at this point in time, that's it. It's just that the fans feel one way about certain players. The players that have come in, come in, especially in January, haven't really hit the ground running and haven't really made that statement yet which also like i said we obviously john joe's show it, it doesn't help so i think it just brings more pressure on the whole on the whole thing but at the end of the day i think that's it's not that important at the point in time is like temp said at the start it's results now yeah we want to play the want to play a certain way we want to play a certain formation would steve cooper play this way play that way at the other day want to stay in the Premier League and however you stay in the Premier League you do it do you know what I mean I think that that's it and he's gonna he's gonna go to the point and when he turns around in the heat of that moment I think it's very easy it's very easy to have that hindsight and it's very easy to be up there but when you're on that touchline when you've got to make that split second decision when you've got to look at a player and think right do I need to take him off? Is he going to cost us a game? And that's the thing. You, it's it's a flip of, flip of a coin. And sometimes you get them right. Sometimes you don't because you say that you take people off too early. You leave them on. They make a mistake. Team scored. You should have taken them off because they look like they was they was tired. So it's just one of those things as a manager that you're just going to have to deal with, and and you and you're going to make decisions. And at, and at times after games, you're going to look like you've invented football in the best thing ever and at times you're going to look like you haven't got an idea and that's just football that's just management and the manager will know that and he won't take that into context about his next decision the other day he's got to do what he feels right for that team in that moment uh and and that's what he's doing 
Yeah, I mean, good managers can make decisions that go wrong or baffle fans. I was watching Everton last night. Everton fans can't believe that Michael Keane's in the team ahead of Conor Cody. And it does look weird on the face of it. And, you know, Everton are not a very Sean Dyche team. They're very open. We just don't know what goes on there. And I guess the prime Comes back to our original point, Matt, when I said it about the start. Michael Keane, Burnley, knows Dyche. Dyche knows him. Straight away, mm. comes into a building. Michael Keane has been nowhere near it. But it's straight away somebody who knows what I'm about. I know what I'm going to get from him. He can then project that to people around him. That's it. It, it happens everywhere. You know what I mean? And, and like I said, sometimes, how many times you see it, managers go into clubs and they bring in old players or they bring in a player that they know and it works. And look, this player was surplus. He hasn't even kicked a ball. And look what this manager's done. And this manager now looks like he's the best per person ever. And that's, it, it just happens. And I think that at this point in time, when you look at it, I think we've come across a formation and I, and, I, and I keep going back to the other teams around us and you say about Everton last night, I don't think they really know what they are. Like you mm -hmm. said, Daesh as a team that he's played with Burnley, that's not the team what's kind of the way Everton are playing, but it needs must. He has to do it. He has, he has to stay in the league. So he has to maybe come away from the thingy. When you look at Leeds and the reports of Allardyce, I'm not quite sure where that where that fits because if if we're saying ten games to go, then maybe yeah, because I think that them types of managers can churn out results when they need the ones that they need to win and they maybe get the odd point. But at this point in time, Leeds don't need the odd point, they need to win games. Mm -hmm. Uh so I think that most teams around us, we talk about identities. I think we found one. I think we 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 look quite solid. I think we look comfortable in it, and I think if you look around that, I don't I don't I don't see that in other teams. No, and for me, the big thing I wanted to raise, the point I wanted to make is, uh, firstly, I mean, like Arteta is the ultimate example of the evolution of a manager, and you know, keeping faith and seeing the big picture, the, what he's done at Arsenal, and I think we're in danger of losing sight of the big picture at Forest. You know. 30 signings is something that's never been tried before. Fulham went close to it and blew up and got relegated spectacularly. If you combine that with the injuries, I mean, this is a moot point, but I think without the injuries, I think Forest would be nowhere near the relegation zone now. I think they'd be safe. And the big picture is still finish 17th and stay in the league. And the way Forest have had to go about it is ridiculous. The signings and the injuries have made this a crazy season and the World Cup. It's never, I didn't think it was ever going to be an easy path and we are where we are. And like Lewis has said and Greg said, we've still got a shot of staying up. We've got this game against Southampton and it is must win, but it is still all on the line. I look at, at Leeds, absolute crisis. That video of the fans with the players did them no favours at all. They booted out their managing director today by the look of it. The fans are pretty divided. Everson fans seem resigned. Leicester fans, I'm in a WhatsApp group, the Leicester fan who was having a heart attack last night. They're, they're all as screwed as we are, and it's just a shootout now. And I hope that Forest Unity, like Lewis says, they found a formula. It's not a pretty formula, but it gives them a shot. And I think that's what we all have to focus on. A um, couple of other things to tidy up. Now, uh, Greg, I'll throw this one to you. VAR, Cooper was raging about it afterwards i didn't want to touch too much on it because i just feel like it's such an arbitrary thing around technology now what have you got any take on var in this game or is it just one we should just move on from 
VAR as a whole is still crap, so it's still a blight on the game, but it's here to stay, isn't it? So they've got to get it better. They've got to get the decisions quicker. They've got to get the offside decisions more accurate, whether it was on or off on Saturday. The technology just isn't good enough, even though the technology is out there. They've got these chips you can put in shoes and boots and, and balls that could be done. So if they're going to do it, do it properly and quick because there's been too many decisions now from the very start back at Chelsea when we are in the Cup about four years ago to, to Saturday, it's still contentious and it hasn't took those contentious decisions away. It just makes us speak more about it. So I, I hate it, but it's, it's here to stay and I'll always still moan about it. Yeah, it's an arbitrary line. It went against Forest this time. It is what it is. I don't know. Mm. I feel like, you know, the next one might go for us. Maybe it was right, maybe it was wrong, but... Like like Lewis said, you stop it at source, and the source isn't a VAR line; it's stopping the goal yeah. going in the net. Uh, Temps, and probably throw this to Lewis as well. Last topic before we move on. Um, I've got quite a few messages, people asking us to talk about injuries and the reasons for them, and we've not really focused on it too much because yes, there's a huge volume of injuries, but we don't really know the reason why. And I'm sure Forest will investigate it because they need to. You work in a professional sports club, obviously you're not a physio, but any insight that you could offer? Or I'll ask Lewis next. Well, you just got to look at it relatively, haven't you? Relatively, we are having far more players um, take soft tissue injuries than any other team in the, in the Premier League. And I think we're also seeing several instances of players who cannot complete 90 minutes. Um, so, yeah, you've got to look at everything. I remember... Uh, was it Neil Warnock? He was looking at pitch composition and all sorts when he had a spate of injury problems back in his Sheffield United days. Everyone will have a theory. Lewis will know this. Professional athletes can only run around um, in training for 90 minutes, two hours a day. Um, are they doing too much? Are they not doing enough? Something is happening because in a relative sense, we've got 14 players uh, injured where certain other Premier League teams have got two and three. There'll be a reason for it. You've got to be far closer to the inner sanctum than you know we are at present to understand what's going off there. But questions will be asked. The medical department will be under some um, pressure. Of course, it's possible it's it's freak occurrence, but being the outlier in a in a list of players not available for selection is not a place you want to be um, in a in a relegation dogfight. I agree with everything that Matt said. We've seen the relative strengths, characteristics of individual players. And if people like Dean Henderson, Willie Bolly, um, Taiwo for a full season, if these players had been, been available to us, we'd have seen entirely different selections, entirely different tactical setups. And I think probably 10 to 12 more points on the board. So, yes, recruitment's one thing, keeping them on the pitch available for selection. Is, is another and with the players that we recruited if we'd have kept a full complement fit from gun to tape we would be 10 to 12 points better off than we are now I don't know what's going off but I think something is awry because we are the outlier in the Premier League injury table mm. Dean Henderson's the latest one he's going to have surgery um, and be out till late pre-season the interesting thing is he's not our player so I assume Manchester United have either led or suit or overseen his uh, rehab and you know he's still been out for ages but I don't know Lewis is there any insight you can have from a former player's point of view about all these soft tissue injuries sometimes you're just unlucky 
and and it, and it's sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes you are just unlucky as a group. I've been in change rooms where every game you see someone training, someone's pulling up people, and sometimes you just get that season where it just feels like that. I think I think what you also as well from a from a medical department point of view, they'll be under so much pressure because sometimes no matter how many qualifications you've got, no matter what the new kind of technology you've got, sometimes bodies just break down. Sometimes things just happen and there's nothing you can do. And you can you can do as much research, you can do as much kind of rehab and you can follow exactly what these surgeons and top specialists say. But everybody's body's different. Everybody's body reacts certain ways. And also what what doesn't help, which I've been there personally, is you've got to understand is sometimes when you're coming back from an injury or any kind of problem, but you're also under massive pressure to get back, it's no good for the body. It's, it's actually the worst kind of environment to heal. You're, you're constantly worrying and you overdo stuff. Right, you know what? I want to be back, I want to be back. Pressure's on. They're saying about the physio. Then you also look at the physio departments thinking, like, they're under pressure. There's another, do you know what? He probably needs another week. But we've got five, six out already. If I say the man anyway needs another week, then that's going to obviously put me under more pressure. And that just happens. It, 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 it's one of those things where he's probably thinking, right, maybe we can risk it. Let's try and push a week before. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it don't. And I, and I think that there's a little... The Henderson one, I must admit, is, is, is a bit strange. That is a bit strange because it's kind of gone... Because my point was from the start, if originally what they said it was, you wouldn't sign Navas. That's my opinion. Because there were no need. Because Navas is coming into play. And he he wasn't coming into play for a month and then sit on the bench. So when you look at it from the bigger picture, maybe it was longer than that. I don't know. Something something doesn't seem right about that one because it's just been extended 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 and like i said at a point in time you wouldn't bring in a, a keeper like navas if your goalkeeper even with all your information medically was going to be out okay maximum six weeks because you're coming in january there's a long long time to play do you know what i mean so i think that that one is a bit strange and there might be nothing to it, it might just unlucky but i think from a from a bigger picture of it all sometimes as a football club you just go through that period and like Temp says, you can look at pitches, you can look at training grounds, you look at re- recovery, you can look at all these theories. But sometimes it just comes down to a human body and every, and every human body is different. It can also be a resource as well. So I, I, I don't know the medical setup at Forest, but if we've got three gold standard doctors, five great physios, but they haven't got the technology equipment, the ultrasound, the cryogenic chamber that Man City have got, whatever, that's that's a factor as well. So it'd be absolutely wrong for us to sit here blindly speculating that someone is to blame, that they're, they're absolutely not. Yeah, well, exactly. I know we haven't given a conclusive answer there, so sorry about that, but I didn't want to sit here and have us throwing accusations around because we just don't know the answer. And that's one for four. There, isn't, there well. isn't really an answer, though. That's the thing. There isn't really an answer because you can. everyone's going to have their opinions. But at the end of the day, there isn't really a, there isn't really an answer. You can't say right, it's this, it's that. 
you can do your you can do your research you can look into it but at the end of the day that this this problems going on it's not just down to one thing it won't just be down right that's the reason oh it's the pictures oh it's that oh it's the medical team there's going to be a various factors what have got what have got into this position mm. and i think nobody knows that's the most frustrating part um, we'll do a full Southampton preview in later in the week and really get into it. But just quickly, um, while we've got Lewis here, interesting to hear your take on, do you go back to a back four in this game? Do you really try and be more attacking or do you stick with the three at the back? There's no, there's no need to change it. No need to change it because it, I know I was saying about the formation that we've been playing away from home, but we've been playing pretty much the same at home. Played the same against Brighton. You say it's that thing. Are we going to have a lot of possession? No, but we've got the place. We've got we've got the focal point, which has made a massive difference. Back to one of our, our previous conversations about that we didn't have a focal point in the middle of the pitch at the top. That's made a massive difference coming back in. When you took when we look at having pressure and playing on the break and scoring on the break, if you look a lot of goals, especially a lot of Brennan's goals. That's what they've been. They've been where we broke and we scored on the break. So it's no different. So we just look a bit more secure. Obviously, Philippe's come in has been has been brilliant. Uh, and I think obviously with the with a with the with a way of uh the Akate coming in gives you that balance of the left sided with the left foot, which also makes a makes a massive difference. I think the midfield two, I think at this point in time, which is a shame with Danilo, if that is the case, I think them. I think Mangala, which I mentioned to you, Mangala, I think he's been at Brighton. I thought he was one of the best players. I thought he was one of the best. And, and sometimes you find, like I said, you find that little partnership. And I think with Danilo, we've had the Villa game away from home. Him, him, him starting a bit deeper. When you look at now, he looks a different player. But if you look prior to that, he was playing the higher one. But then you look at that, Yates, if Yates... Everyone wants Yates in the team, and I think Yates he does a brilliant job. If Yates doesn't come out of the team, do you then get this? Do you then see this dinner that you've seen? You probably don't, because you don't have that opportunity to do it. So, I think that the formation-wise, we've 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 found some. We look we look quite solid. We look like we've got a base and a foundation. No point changing it now. All, all you're going to do is changing it. Is you're just going to create panic. In the team, where there's no need to do it. Mm. Mm. Temps, you want to come in on shape? Yeah, well, just to debate that with Lewis a little bit, um, cruising away from Brighton with the 4 1 4 1, admittedly, we, that would rely on Koyate being able to start and perform. I just felt we looked so much more comfortable with the ball. We were able to dominate possession. And I, I just asked this question if there's one game in which we can expect to have more possession, move away from the counter attack, build through the thirds, it's Southampton at home. And I, I just wonder if a, if a switch to that back four, introducing the extra man, um, centre mid, just, just gives us that platform, not only to look to live with Southampton, but to take them on, grind them into the ground and, and almost look for that championship pattern of play last year, where even when we weren't scoring first half, we were building pressure. And in the second half, we were just relentless and able to cruise past teams. I just wonder, with them on the back foot, feeling all that pressure, um, having you know a final throw of the dice almost, if we need to try and dominate the ball, frustrate them, have them chasing shadows 
And to do that, think about a positive tweak to the shape. Mm. So this is yeah. finishing with the formation that we, after yeah. Nico went off, basically. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But the one thing you got to, when you said about Southampton are actually under no pressure. They're under no pressure whatsoever. And that sometimes the football team is the best because they're going to come here and they've got no pressure on. Everyone expects them to go down. Everyone expects them not to probably win another game for the season. So you're going to have them players playing a bit with no with no pressure on. They're going to take ball in situations where they would have probably normally taken three, four weeks ago. So I think I understand your point in the sense you want to be a bit more front foot and a bit more kind of in control. But I think at this point in time, that's I think we can't be too disrespectful to Southampton. They're still a Premier League team and they've still got good players. So I think that at this point in time, we've got a formation and a pattern and a personnel that is comfortable and that is working and that we're working to that dynamic in that in that games. I think, like you said, at Brighton, when maybe in the second half, maybe we can change. Maybe when we've got a bit more kind of uh, feel to it, you can change. But I think starting from the start, I think starting from the start would be changing. It would be a bit, bit risky. And I think it's something that they just don't need to do at this point in time. Uh, yeah. That's that. That's my opinion. But I can I can totally understand your point from a fan's point of view of thinking. Listen, it's an opportunity to win the game, and we're pretty much safe. Why don't we go out and kind of steamroll them? And that is what the manager will want to do. But also what you don't want to do is change it and be 1-0 down after 10 minutes and everyone looking around thinking, right, this is something where we've not been for the last four or five weeks. Then you're changing back to your original formation, which then looks a bit defensive, which then can create can create a bit of uncertainty when you don't really need it. I think you'd rather start conservative and then if you can change like you did in the Brighton game, then change when you've got, obviously, second half, a bit more areas, a bit more space opening up, and you can use the people in different scenarios. But I think I think it would be too risky to to kind of change from the start. Greg, you didn't need to disappear. I was going to bring you back in now. <laughs> it's every time. It's after an hour. My, after an hour. Uh, iPad must, yeah. must have to put the extra 50p in or something. Uh, last topic. Last topic before we go. Starting with Greg, because every fan's talking about it. Slightly pointless question. I appreciate because anything can happen, but a gut feel of how many points are needed to stay up. Uh, we've got to. I can't. We've got to win on Monday. That's it. And I think we've all got that little job to do where we can as well. You know, make that. You watched the Leicester game last night. Their fans were rubbish. All you could hear was the <laughs> Everton fans. <laughs> they got the little clappers. And, you know, that didn't inspire a team to victory, did it? And that's something that the city ground can do and has done many times before. So, for me, every single one of us, you know, wear your red, bring your scarves, bring your voices, do absolutely everything you can. Greet the team before, do whatever you think is going to help because that team reacts to a positive atmosphere. We saw it against Brighton. We've seen it against Man City. We've seen it numerous times before. And if there's ever been a game as important where the fans are right behind the players, it's on Monday and we've got to do it. There's people on Twitter always following saying how amazing the Leicester fans were. They were Leicester really? journalists. Yeah, they were exactly. Leicester journalists, so they might yeah, not Give know. everyone one of those annoying clappers and a bit of goal music and, you know, <laughs> off you go. But no, they weren't. They were rubbish anyway. Uh, we've gone over an hour here. Temps, throw a number at me for points if you have one or not. Uh, 36 for me, guarantees safety. I think three of them will come against Southampton. You won't want to hear this. The other three I've got in mind is Palace away. 
Oh my god! And do you know I'm what? Mad. As well on that, Southampton and Palace were beaten. They're the two teams where we could take six points each off them. You know, twelve points from them. <laughs> Then games, that is what keeps us up. So I, I agree with Temps on that. I just hope we don't have to go to Palace needing the win because I am going to go away and, you know, I, can, I don't think I can cope with that. Uh, I mean, I think I'll come to Lewis in a second. I think 34 might be enough. Touchwood beat Southampton. It's not a home run at all. It's such a big game. I can see a result against Arsenal more than Palace, if I'm honest, at home, see how Arsenal are mentally. If they're in or out of the title picture still, it's going to be absolute torture, though. Uh, Lewis, a figure from you if you have one, or just any general thoughts? I'd have to agree with you. I thought I just, I just can't, I just can't see the other teams winning the game, and that's why I just, I look at the fixtures, I look at all their fixtures now, and I just, in in the positions that they're in at this point in time, and their last kind of three or four weeks of performances, I just can't see. Not, I can't see where three points comes from. Listen, you know, we all know what football's like and they'll then they'll go and beat one of them, we'll go and beat Man City and you think, where's that going? That's just, and that can happen. But from the positive look standpoint, I just look at it and I just think the most important, take care of what we have to do, which is Southampton. And then, you, then you're probably thinking three games, maybe nick a point somewhere, I think, I think will be enough. Yeah, hopefully so. It feels like that. Like Lewis says, though, there's no point playing if we, you know, there's no point predicting and not playing the games because anything can happen. But we'll see how it goes very, very quickly because we're really going over time. Does anyone have anything they want to add quickly, Greg? Any other business? I've got a, a quick one that was brought to my attention as well. Um, the Portsmouth player who scored at the weekend, Bishop, uh, he's a big Forest fan. Can't remember who they were playing, but um, he did the he scored and did the old Brennan Johnson Robin Hood celebration. So shout out to him because uh, I like that. Playing Derby, weren't they? Oh, God, maybe. Don't know. Yeah. I think they were, yeah. It's Colby Bishop, is it? Right. Very nice. Um, good on him. Uh, Tempt, anything you want to add? Food festival, no. thanks. Anything like that? No, nothing to add, fellas. Good chat, as always, on Southampton. Lewis, I should open the floor to you, but anything you want to add? No, no, nothing. No. Uh, it was me, Derby, yeah. Right. I know, uh, I know it was. was. <laughs> Are you being facetious? Sorry, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh, it doesn't translate from your bedroom to mine. Sorry, right? Uh, we've gone on really long there, so uh, thanks for everyone who watched long. Loads of comments, I did try and keep up with them, uh, but very much appreciate everyone chipping in and joining what seemed like a good natured debate. Uh, do like and subscribe as usual, give us a good review, and we'll be back on Friday, I think, with the full Southampton preview since the game is on Monday. Greg, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Remember, bring your scarves, make that red wall on Monday. We need it. Yeah, absolutely. Temps, thank you. Cheers, Matt. Good to speak to you, boys. Yeah, and Lewis, thanks for your insight. Very much appreciated as ever. No problem. We shall be back on uh, Friday. Have a good week, everyone, and we shall see you soon. <laughs>